This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. At least seven people were injured in an attack by a 20-year-old Palestinian man in Tel Aviv, which Hamas hailed as the, quote, first response to Israel's crimes against our people in Janine. The assailant, who ran over and stabbed civilians, was shot dead at the scene. Israel's military operation against a refugee camp in the city of Janine is its biggest raid on the West Bank in over 20 years. Some 3,000 Palestinians fled and at least 10 have been killed since the incursion began early on Monday. Palestinians accused Israel of a war crime. Ukrainian officials said that at least 43 people, including 12 children, were wounded in a Russian missile strike on a residential building in the Kharkiv region on Tuesday. Separately, the head of Britain's armed forces told MPs that the thrust of the Ukrainian counteroffensive, quote, still hasn't happened. Admiral Sir Tony Radikin added that Russia had lost up to 2,500 tanks but can replace only 200 a year. NATO extended Jens Stoltenberg's term as its secretary general for another year. The former Norwegian prime minister has been the alliance's top civilian official since 2014. His term was first due to expire in 2022, but was extended after Russia invaded Ukraine. Mr. Stoltenberg said that the, quote, bond between Europe and North America is more important than ever in, quote, a more dangerous world. China's embassy in London accused Britain of openly sheltering fugitives. Britain had criticized Hong Kong's decision to offer a 1 million Hong Kong dollar or $128,000 bounty for eight pro-democracy activists who fled after the city-state imposed a draconian national security law in 2020. Some are now based in Britain. Hong Kong's chief executive, John Lee, said the eight would be, quote, pursued for life. America's meteorological agency said that the global average temperature on Monday reached 17 degrees Celsius, a record high since satellite monitoring began in 1979. The previous record was 16.9 degrees Celsius, recorded in August 2016. The arrival of El Nino, a weather pattern that produces heavy rains and higher temperatures, could see another record set this summer. The Taliban ordered Afghanistan's hair and beauty salons to close, the latest repressive measure against women in the country. Salons were some of the few public spaces still available to women who are banned from classrooms, gyms, and parks. Restrictions have mounted since the Taliban seized control in 2021, despite international outcry and vocal opposition from activists. Meta will launch Threads, a new text-based social media platform to rival Twitter on Thursday. The app will be linked to Instagram, which Meta owns, allowing users to follow their Insta friends and keep the same username. The launch, revealed after threads appeared in Apple's App Store, available for pre-order, comes days after Twitter announced a temporary cap on the number of posts users could read in 24 hours, sparking criticism. And figure of the day, $8 billion, the amount VCs and buyout barons poured into hydrogen ventures last year. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. High prices stick around in Turkey. Turkey's annual inflation fell below 40% in May, down from its peak of 86% last autumn. On June 22nd, the central bank raised rates by 6.5 percentage points. You might think that would further depress the country's rampant inflation, 
But as data to be released on Wednesday is expected to show, the drop has slowed and may soon go into reverse. The reasons for Turkey's sticky inflation are twofold. The tightening regime launched by the central bank's new governor, which followed two years of reckless interest rate cuts, has underwhelmed. At 15%, the benchmark interest rate remains far below the rate of inflation. Meanwhile, sales of foreign reserves by the central bank, used to prop up the Turkish lira ahead of elections in May so as to help Mr. Erdogan's chances, have slowed. The combination has set off another run on the currency. The lira has lost more than 20% of its dollar value in the past month. Another wave of inflation may be starting to swell. Ukraine wants cluster bombs. Ukraine's army has consolidated bridgeheads at three points over the Dnieper River, south of the destroyed Kahovka Dam. It has continued to make gains toward the eastern town of Bakhmut, but attacks in the south, in Zaporizhia and Donetsk provinces, have been frustratingly slow, with Russian units mounting a tougher defense than expected. Ukrainian and Western officials say that cluster bombs, weapons which release a large number of small bomblets over a wide area, would make a big difference in assaulting dug-in positions. The White House has been wary of sending them because most of its allies, though not Ukraine, are signatories to a treaty that bans the munitions, which can pollute a battlefield long after a war is over. Ukrainians retort that Soviet-era cluster bombs have already been scattered by both sides, and that American ones have far lower dud rates. America seems to be leaning their way. A Celebration of Stagnation in Venezuela Venezuela celebrates 212 years of independence on Wednesday, with a large military parade planned in Caracas. Preparations have not gone well. One of the country's Russian-made Sukhoi Su-30 fighter aircraft crashed during rehearsals last week, killing a pilot. Nicolas Maduro, the president, may not attend the main ceremony. He often avoids open-air public events after two drones, apparently directed at him, exploded in 2018. Otherwise, the autocrat is sitting comfortably in power. Juan Guaizhou, a Western-backed rival, has gone into exile. Despite Mr. Maduro's poor record, the economy has shrunk by 75%, and a quarter of the population has emigrated during his decade in power. He is expected to stand for another six-year term in 2024. He also seems set on rigging that election. Last week, his government revealed that the opposition frontrunner, Maria Corina Machado, is barred from holding political office for 15 years on various trumped-up charges, mostly linked to her support of U.S. sanctions on Venezuela. The NHS turns 75. On Wednesday, Britons will cheer their National Health Service with pageantry befitting a royal jubilee. A special service at Westminster Abbey will praise the institution. The George Cross, the highest medal awarded to civilians for bravery, 
given to the NHS during the COVID-19 pandemic, will begin its celebratory tour of the nation. For most people, the celebrations will not feel overdone. A poll published this week found that over half of Britons say the NHS makes them most proud to be British, far more than are most proud of history, their culture, or the royal family. Yet all is not well on the hallowed wards. Hospital waiting lists at 7.4 million continue to spiral. Junior doctors are planning more industrial action in the coming weeks. Public satisfaction in NHS services bumps along the floor together with staff morale. Life expectancy in Britain is falling behind that of its near neighbors. The government talks the right talk about fixing the NHS. Their current plans are nowhere near enough. African Photography at Tate Modern The first major show of contemporary African photography at Tate Modern in London opens with portraits of Nigerian monarchs by George Osodi, a Nigerian artist. In one image, an elderly king wears a beaded headpiece and robes printed with the faces of Queen Elizabeth II. He sits resplendent, evoking, in the words of the curator, traditions that have been somewhat forgotten. The exhibition, titled A World in Common, features 36 artists. Some confront the exploitation of people and land. Others look inward, dwelling on family histories, rituals, and spiritual themes. The result is a delightful kaleidoscope that makes no attempt to present one narrative or experience of the continent. Consider it a long-overdue challenge to the reductive depictions of Africa by camera-touting colonialists in the 19th century. Luckily, museum-goers elsewhere can savor the work of African photographers this summer. Similar shows are on at the Detroit Institute of Arts and New York's MoMA. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Wednesday. Which animated children's TV character is the cousin of Dora the Explorer? Tuesday. Which football manager who has won titles with Chelsea, Inter Milan, and Real Madrid is nicknamed the Special One? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jean Cocteau, who was born on this day in 1889. What the public criticizes in you, cultivate. It is you. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.